NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. everybody. Thanks for being here for a right, a special edition of the right time for Write Out 2023. A few months ago, Brian and I were on a team who interviewed Nikki Grimes. And at the end of that interview, we all sat around and chatted a little bit. And she told us about a picture book that she had coming out in the fall. Brian and I exchanged a glance and practically simultaneously screamed, Write Out! This is, book is perfect for Write Out! Then she told us the story of how this book was made, and I think we both got goosebumps. I immediately added a walk in the woods to my bookshop cart and waited sort of patiently until it seemed reasonable to call Nikki again and ask her if she really would come back to talk with us about this remarkable picture book. Yeah, I I know you're as excited as I am. I, I was thinking about it too. And you say, you say goosebumps, but I, I actually remember like just an emotional sensation because the, the conversation about how the story was written and came together was perfect um, for, you know, for the, these times, but also just to get outdoors and walk and to build friendships and, and to trust human beings to human beings. Once again, um, I've been thinking about a walk in the woods ever since that conversation that happened off screen and right out has always resonated with me. I think I've been with right out since the beginning. So I'm super excited about this time when we're thinking about conferences and holidays and winter jackets and the nostalgia of warmer days. Um, but autumn is really the special season. You know, we get outside, it's glorious. Everything is changing. If you can get out there with friends, it can even be magical. So that's why um I, I looked, you know, to, to Tanya and I looked to the network and said, we need to have Nikki Grimes back. This is the perfect time for write out. Um, and it should be celebrated each and every year. I am thrilled to have Nikki Grimes with us once more because she is a New York Times bestselling author and recipient of the 2022 CSK Virginia Hamilton Lifetime Achievement Award, the Allen Award for Significant Contributions for Young Adult Literature, the Children's Literature Legacy Medal, and the NCTOE Award for Excellence in Poetry for Children, which I really love. The author of Coretta Kotsking Award winners, Bronx Masquerade. I remember teaching that. And five Coretta Scott King author honors. Her most recent titles include the YALSA Best Fiction for Young Adults title Between the Lines, Companion to Bronx Masquerade, the NCTE Notable Words with Wings, the much acclaimed Garvey's Choice, One Last Word, Prince Honor, and Siebert Honored Ordinary Hazards. Woo woo! ALA Notables Legacy, Women Poets of Harlem Renaissance and Southwest Sunrise, Kirkus Best Books, Bedtime for Sweet Creatures and Playtime for Restless Rascals, and Kamala Harris, still have that on my shelf, Rooted in Justice and Garvey in the Dark, a companion to Garvey's Choice. Ah, Miss Grimes lives in Corona, California, and obviously she is a magnificent human being to be with the National Writing Project today. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome, Nikki. <laughs> Thank you. How lucky are you? Oops, sorry, Walina, I skipped right over your slide. It's my pleasure to introduce Walina Booker, who is an inspiring educator, powerful poet, and passionate advocate for social justice. Mm-hmm. Walina's poetry celebrates Black identity, diversity, and equality. Walina writes poetry for adults as well as young readers. Her children's poetry is included in The Things We Feel, Things We Wear, What is a Friend, and What is a Family, poetry anthologies by Pomelo Books 2022. 
Her poem, I Matter, appears on Poetry Project's BIPOC page 2021. Walina's poems also appear in Haiku Poetry 21, 22, and 23, Moonstone Press, Oprel Publications, Rise Up Anthology 2021, as well as being named as a finalist in Coming Home to Hope 2021, Oprel Publications. Woo! Walina's poem, One Voice, was composed to music by world-renowned composer Rollo Dilworth, in 2022 and sung by the high school chorus of Hatsboro Horsham School District in Horsham, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Melina's po poem, Longing for More, was selected to open the Global Leadership in Agriculture virtual conference, as well as the Hunger Action Month Poetry Fundraiser for Seeds Program, International School Garden Program in Uganda. Melina, that's a <laughs> lot. She loves using her poetry as a catalyst for change. And uh, I'm going to give my colleague Tanya a break, and I'll introduce <laughs> a very good friend, Ranger Marianne Zajewski. Yes, Juice. We're going to call her Juice tonight. <laughs> Has worked for the National Park Service for over 30 years. She is currently the Education Program Manager for the Northeast Region of National Park Service. Before moving to the region, she worked in education at three national parks in Massachusetts at various schools and museums. Marianne's professional focus on standards-based education programs, teacher professional development, and community-based partnerships. Marianne provides support and assistance to the 83 parks in the states from Maine to Virginia in their efforts to provide equitable and inclusive place-based learning experiences. And this is exactly why tonight is perfect. A passionate teacher who loves reading Mickey Grimes, a passionate writer who writes the books that our students need to read, and a ranger who is bringing together all the National Park Services. It is a trifecta. So woo woo, Tanya, back to you. <laughs> Excellent. Um, it's also beautiful to see a whole bunch of you in the audience tonight. And we're very excited about it. And if you see any bumps along the way, it's because we haven't had the opportunity to do a live right time event ever, maybe, or for a really long time. Usually when we get to this point in the show, we say, here's a writing prompt you could do, you or your students could do, go ahead and hit pause on this show if you wanna do it. But instead tonight, I'm gonna to set a timer. Walena is gonna tell you about the prompt and we're all gonna take three minutes to write. And at the end of that, Walena will invite you to share a line from what you've written as a waterfall in the chat. Then just so you know, uh, the slides will come down, Brian and I will leave, and you'll be here for a lovely conversation between Nikki and Walena and Marianne. And after that, if you'd like to ask a question, edit, as you're listening to the um, interview, feel free to put questions for Nikki in the Q&A. And after the official interview with Marianne and Walena, we'll open it up for some questions from the audience. So um, be thinking about that as well. But for now, I am going to turn to my timer, but turn the stage over to Walina. Okay, thank you so much, Tonya. And I just wanna say, welcome to everybody. I'm so glad that you're here and this is gonna be an incredible night and uh, let's get started. So close your eyes and imagine a walk in the woods that you've taken or that you might take in the future. Write to describe what that walk could be like. Um, imagine being there. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell? Uh, how are you feeling? Are you alone or are you with someone? Or are you thinking of someone? How do you feel? Let's 
set the timer now and uh, grab your journal, grab your pen, grab your paper, and it is time to write. I've got mine, I'm ready, and I hope you are too. Let's get started. I don't know if you can hear my timer, but that is time, Walina. So oh, wow, that was time. I was so in the zone, uh, <laughs> in the writing zone. I hope you all were too. Thank you for that time. I hope that felt great. So now I want to invite you to uh, find your golden line, find that line that just stands out to you, makes you feel really good at your heart that you wrote it and just share it in the chat. Um, be brave, uh, share that writing. Um, that's what I tell my students, that writing is meant to be shared. So let's look and see what folks wrote. The trickling stream runs down the mountain's jagged rocks. Thank you, Abigail. The calls of the owl and goose lingering. Thanks, Amy. A swishing cadence of nylon, nylon rubbing against nylon beats a rhythm of motion and movement into the air as I trundle across the soft woodland trail. Thanks, Rich. So descriptive. You can feel it. 
I'll, I'll share one more. Uh, time slowed down, and so did my mind, wandering from thoughts about people. I'm, miss, I'm missing to observations of the forest, to dreams for tomorrow. Wow. Awesome job. Thank you so much. All right. Okay. So, Walina, Brian, and I are also going to shut off our um, cameras and we'll leave you to have a lovely conversation. All right. Thank you so much, Tanya. Okay. Well, I do have to do my fangirl moment because I said I was going to do this. So, I'm just going to sleep for a minute. All right. I had to do that just because I'm so excited and I'm so glad to be here. Um, all right, uh, let's get started. And we'll start with our questions. I do want to just shout out my school and my principal and the Hopper Horsham community, my family, for sharing this space uh, with all of us tonight. So excited. Okay, I'll calm down. Here we go. <laughs> um, what inspired the idea for a walk in the woods? Mm. Well, happened in a few ways. Um, for one thing, both Jerry and I have a passion for nature, but we also felt that we were missing uh, um, books in children's literature that featured Black characters engaging in nature. The default is always the urban landscape. And yet there are black people on branches and on beaches and all through the Midwest and living in the mountains and Appalachia and all these different places. But we rarely see black characters outside of the urban environment. And so we're both looking to add more um, books to address that. That was the reason I wrote Southwest Sunrise a few years wow. ago, is I, I wanted to start creating books that would help to fill that niche. So we knew whatever we did, um, it would have something to do with nature. Didn't know what the story was going to be, but um, that was the one thing we agreed on um, immediately. But the fact that this book happened at all is interesting in itself because I've known the Pinckneys for mm, probably 45 years. Wow. We met when I first came into the business because we both shared um, a publisher in Dial Press. And we met in those, their offices and we've been friends ever since. And uh, But we'd never done a book together. And in 2019, in the fall, Jerry and I were sharing a panel um, at the Texas Book Festival. And after the panel, you know, we came outside and, and we were talking with, um, with his wife, Gloria, and I don't know who else was there. And Gloria looked at us at one point and said, why haven't the two of you ever done a book together? And we looked at each other and kind of shrugged because we didn't have a good answer. We like, like, yeah, why haven't we? So we started immediately talking about the kind of book that we would do, what that would look like. And, um, and the plan, I put this in quotes, after we decided it was gonna be a, a nature deal, 
said I was going to come. I was going to go to um, Croton Hudson, where they lived. And Jerry and I were going to go for walks in the wood every day. And I was taking my camera and a notebook. And we were going to brainstorm ideas. And so the idea was that I would come in the spring when everything was flourishing. That would be the best time to go do this. <clears throat> and then COVID hit. Mm. Oh, plan B. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, I can't come there. You can't come here. How about from now on, when you go for your walks in the wood, take a camera, start making videos and, um, and photographs and send them to me because that's as close as I'm going to be able to come to approaching this the way we had originally planned. He said, okay. So he started doing that. <clears throat> and uh, the first few videos he sent me were all of the canopy. Mm. And so after about three or four of those, I was like, Jerry, I really love the canopy. <laughs> Canopies are lovely. However, I need to see where the character is walking. So I need to see what's happening on the ground. And he's like, okay. So then he started paying more attention to that and sending me uh, videos where he was shooting on the ground. And what was wonderful about that is he's, he started noticing flora and fauna that he had never seen before because he hadn't been paying attention to the ground. And he got really excited. So he would send me emails about something he'd seen that day, you know, that that excited him. And you would hear, you could hear the enthusiasm. He was really very good at relating voice. And so I could just tell how excited he was. Um, and I'm really, you know, grateful now for, for those emails. Uh, but that was how, you know, how we got started. Wow. That's incredible. And there's so many connections in what you shared. We were doing right out today uh, with the student, my students and um, the student drew the uh, trees. And I said, you, if you go a little higher with that kite, you'll, you can make a canopy. And we were just talking about it. Um, and also I just thought about Jerry Kraft and he shared some of the same words that you had shared about uh, not having enough positive images of African-American characters uh, in books, period, but especially in your, in this case, in nature, just not, not existent. So enough anyway. So thank you for that. And I'm going to share uh, the questioning with uh, my partner here, Marianne, and I'll let her take the next one. Thank you, Alina. And, and thank you for being here, um, Nikki. I, I love hearing that story of you working with Jerry, because what captivated um, me quite a bit is that story of you making the book, not only with Jerry, but then his son, Brian, and then the parallels within sort of life and the book. And so for those in our audience who don't have their copy yet, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about, about that, about how that sort of book mirrored, mirrored life. Yes, life becomes or art becomes life, life becomes art, it's so bizarre. Um, well, it's important to remember, and here, here's where the goosebumps come in, that we had no idea what the story was going to be. I had no idea. Initially, um, 
when we had we had our uh, initial conversations, Jerry kept talking about wanting to create a conversation that it was mm. the book should be a conversation between the author and the artist, and I and I thought that sounds lovely. Mm. What does that mean? And and so I tried to Perfect. dig further, and every time I would ask him about it, he would just come back with, you know, a conversation. It should be a conversation. <laughs> like, okay. So I go, I went away, and I worked. Um, I worked up ideas for stories, and sent him an idea, and he'd come back with, no, 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 no. I it needs to be a conversation, and I'm like, hmm, okay. And then I try a second idea. No, 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 it needs to be a conversation. So by the third time, I realized, okay, I can't create this story and then give it to him. Somehow, I have to pull the story out of the air between us. And I don't know what that looks like yet, but okay. So one day when we were we were talking, he was sharing an anecdote of one of his recent walks, something he'd seen Um that kind of stuck with him. And in the middle of it, of his telling, I said, Jerry, 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 stop. Write down what you just told me and send it to me. He was like, okay. He said, and I, I did some sketches. Send me the sketches too. So he sends me the sketches. He sends me this anecdote. And I take those elements and then I start researching the region to get details about the flora and fauna, about the trees, about you know, get visual information uh, about the area that he was, that these events were happening in. And um, and I took those, all of those elements and translated them into poetry one by one. And the poems didn't have anything to do with each other. They, they were disparate images, disparate poems, but I wrote those. I was like, it's just as a way, a place to start. And I would send them to him and he loved what I was doing. So he kept sending me, you know, images and anecdotes. And I kept researching um, the region for more information. And uh, and then, I don't know, I was, I don't know, five or six poems into the thing. I'm like, I need a storyline. Where's the storyline going to come? You know, I need some way for this to make a cohesive, coherent story. Where's my narrative gonna come from? So I was pulling out what little hair I have left. The <laughs> friends, artist friends, and was telling them, you know, my dilemma. And one of them said, you know, I think if you go back to Chris von Allsberg's Mystery of Harris Burdick, you might find something that it will shake something loose for you. And I was like, hmm. Went home, dug that book up, and and revisited it, and sure enough, I came away with something that I could work with, and that's the idea of a mystery. I'm like, okay, I need a mystery that will tie these pieces together, and the mystery I came up with was a treasure hunt, um, because I had never written a mystery before in my life, so I knew it was mm. going to have to be something really simple, really basic. It's like I can handle the treasure hunt, so. <laughs> So then these these poems became um in the end part of the, became the treasure that the boy finds in a box in the woods right um and so the story sort of grew from there at that point I started to have 
an actual storyline of skeleton um, on which to hang these disparate poems. And it kind of developed from that point on. So um, it's been fascinating to be presenting with Brian these many months, because in the process, he's learned things about the story he didn't know. I've learned things I didn't know. And we're having goosebump moments all mm. the time. Initially, Brian assumed that all of the visual information was coming from his father. And now he knows that that's not true. Yes, I have the sketches that he made um, and, and the anecdotes, but all the other visual material I found in research and made decisions about on my own, like the fireplace, um, which is ru the ruins of a, of a house, only a fireplace remains. Um, mm -hmm. And when I found that, I was like, oh, that would be a perfect place to hide the treasure. Mm -hmm. I didn't discuss it with Jerry. I didn't ask him about it. I didn't even know he had knew it was there. Um, I just made this decision on my own. Well, recently in talks with Brian, I found out he used to play in that fireplace all the time. Wow. Wow. That's what we said. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Things like that all the time. Um, every mm. every single time we get together to talk, we find some some new detail, you know. And I think. It is so clear to me that God had his hand on this project from day one. Yes, I did the work. I angsted over it as I always do, but it came through me because there were just all those little details that I couldn't possibly have known. Right. You know, that right. Brian couldn't possibly have known, that Jerry could possibly, just, yeah. That's amazing how that just, it, it reaches, it reaches beyond um, and it just shows how so many people are connected in ways that we don't understand. It's yeah. wonderful. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that that actually is a, a way to talk about our our the, the next question, um, which I have before I, I turn it back to Walina, is that this book deals with grief experienced by a child. And I know when my grandfather passed away, my own children were young, they but they knew their great grandfather, and it really was books that helped them and really me to kind of process um, mm -hmm. his death and in, in, their, in, their, in their grief. And, and I was wondering if, if, did you go into writing this book with that purpose in mind that, that it could be helpful in dealing with the loss of a loved one? Or did you have other purposes in mind for the book? I didn't know what the book was going to be. So no, <laughs> and after it was done, I was like, this is gonna be great. Yeah. process but um yeah no no and the reason i i chose the storyline is i'm always concerned with making an emotional connection with my readers mm -hmm. and so once i figured out the whole mystery piece and all that i'm like okay what's going to be the emotional drive that's mm -hmm. going to move this story forward and give it that emotional punch about a death in the family and that's why I, I started there and that's what that decision was based on I never intended this to be a book about grief you know that was not mm -hmm. what I had in mind 
<laughs> it clearly is that. And one of the first people who benefited in that way from the story was Brian, mm. who mimicking the character had the experience of connecting with his father in a new way as he did this work, feeling a sense of his presence in a very palpable way, um, and having the experience of, of this process be a healing thing for him. Mm. But started, he was the first one who really got to experience that. Um, I love it, that. It's an amazing thing that he even took this on. You also yeah. need to know, Brian said yes to finishing this book without knowing what it was about. Wow. He visited his mom, to, you know, because it was just a few weeks after Jerry was gone. Visited his mom to just check on her, went for a walk in the woods, came back to the house, and sat down and read it for the first time. Wow. I would like to have been a fly on that wall. Such joy and sadness, like so intertwined. It's just, you can feel it all. Yeah. yeah. Well, wow. Lena, I think you have the next question. Thank you. Yes, I'm just, it's just so incredible. All of these details and what a way to celebrate a life. Uh, in Jerry working through uh, the parts that he was able to work through and then um, Brian picking up the torch and, and carrying on and he going through a healing process and even you as a friend, um, Nikki, wow, just so many pieces. Okay, um, so many incredible pieces to this story. Uh, so near the end of the story, uh, where the little boy is both smiling and crying, uh, it reminded me how one feels many emotions when you're grieving a loved one. Um, and why was that moment for him so important for you to include in the story? So this is after he's found the, the treasure, the poems, the sketches, and, and he kind of has a release there. Why was that important for you to include? Well, because, because it is true. I've had a lot of experience of loss, really close losses like that. Mm -hmm. And and there are those places where the joy and, and sadness come together. Um, and that's sort of the first step toward healing. Yeah. So it was really important. It was, imp that was where he needed to get to that yeah. place. Mm -hmm. you know, in order to have uh, the story to have a sense of of completion and satisfaction. Um, it's not it's not the end of his process, but it's clearly a beginning. Mm. Yeah, wow. entering that moment of healing. Thank you for that. I know some of the discussion, you know, my, my third graders and I had about the story, just comparing how the boy feels in the beginning of the story, how you can kind of feel his 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 tension and his sadness and then how different he is you know, after that moment and towards the end um just comparing there um um 
Okay. So what was the inspiration for the father leaving his son a treasure map? Uh, I think you may have touched a little bit. Uh, reading the story, I wondered why the father never showed his son the drawings before he died. Do you have any thoughts about that? I'll have to figure that out. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, I don't have the answer yet. All right. But I will at some point because I'll need to. Some wondering thoughts. I, I love it. Um, and um, Marion, I'll have you take the next question. I, I like that. We we sort of expect the authors to have all of the answers yeah. to why they make all the decisions. <laughs> but I think it's so revealing when you say, I, I don't know that yet. Yeah. Like, I haven't figured that out yet. I, I just, I find that really inspiring to have those unfinished pieces. Yeah. I didn't need um, to know that for, for this story. If yeah. I would take the story further, I would need to know that. And then I would mm. come up with an answer. Well, I wondered. Well, would we see this little boy again? Um, you know, just it's as possible. I read, like, could he be at a different place with his grief and with his life? You know, could could we see him again? Just wondered. Um, just a thought. Lingering I thought. I think Wolene is advocating for a part two, I think. <laughs> um, it's possible. I'm not going to give anything away, though. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I really enjoy the moments when the boy encounters the various animals along his walk in the woods. Um, those are some of my, I feel like when I, if I take a walk in the woods, even as a park ranger, uh, they're some of my most frightening moments when I come across something unexpectedly <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> That's why I work at historical parks, not so much, uh, maybe ghosts, but not so many animals. Um, but I wondered if you can um, tell us maybe, did did you have an inspiration for that? Was there a similar experience with an animal that you ever had walking in the woods that you'd like to share? Hmm. I didn't think so much about that, but what I connected with in the story actually was early on. Um, <clears throat> when I was, I don't know, maybe seven or eight, uh, living in a foster home upstate New York, and I was outdoors a lot. And um, and one day I found a garter snake and I was really excited about it. And I picked up the garter snake and was hanging off my finger and I ran into the house to show my foster mom. And I said, mom, look what I found. I put it like <laughs> under her nose and her eyes like frost almost, you know, to that thing out of here. I said, but mom, it's just a little thing. It won't hurt you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and of course she you know <clears throat> encouraged me to leave the house and take the snake with me and I was like okay you know <laughs> back out, put it in the garden you know so um so when I saw a sketch of a snake I'm like uh it just immediately took me there yeah. that'll be yeah. to play with so I give the you know I give the snake a name because I focus oh, it was a friendly kind of a relationship that I had with the garter snake. Nice. Now, as a grown person, years later in Tanzania, I had a very different point of view on snakes. <laughs> I was not about to pick them up 
That's the opposite. There were too many dangerous snakes out there. And one came into my room one morning because in the rainy season, they will hang over the windows and just drop in, you know? Yeah, because they want to get in out of the rain. And the door frames are, aren't aren't very low. So mm. there's room for them to climb in under. You know, so you know, a black mamba is going to come for a visit. What, oh you know, what, all kinds of snakes come in. And <laughs> I, I remember a snake coming in in the middle of the night and I got up and I found the nearest rock. <laughs> and somebody said, but was it? You didn't even know who was poisoned. I'm like, you think I'm going to stand there and ask Mr. Snake, are you the poisonous kind? <laughs> I know. I'll have him later. <laughs> the distance between my friendly experience with the little garter snake as a child. <laughs> I'm just thinking the same thing. The, the, space, the space between those and the knowledge accumulated by the time you have had another encounter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, the wonder child coming in with that snake. I can just visualize it. Um, well, many in our audience are actually our writers or teachers of writing. And so we'd like to ask you a few questions about, about your process. Um, how long have you been writing and, and when did you start? Gosh, started when I was six. So I've been at it most of my life. Mm -hmm. And um, initially, I just was fascinated with words. Um, all the different ways they could use them, the idea that someone could write something in one place and a thousand miles away, someone could read it. And if it was funny, they could laugh. I thought how powerful that is. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would do word games and puzzles and jumbles and I'd make up my own word games. I'd go to the dictionary and turn my eyes and just pick a word and see how many different ways I could use it. Um, and so my introduction to writing was wordplay. And that at base is what poetry is. Mm. Me writing to poetry. So yeah, I've been doing it pretty much forever. Wow. Um, we, I'm sorry, we, we, snake, we snaked our way back in. Oh. <laughs> We're aware of time. Um, and we know that we also, your question that was so wonderful, Juice. It was excellent. The last one, which we can <laughs> We can open up for other teachers um, in this space, whether they want to put a question in the chat room or if um, they actually want to take off their uh, video or come on to the video and ask a question. We welcome that. Um, I do have to say, Nikki Grimes, that I was at a friend's house last night and they played a word game with me I've never played before which I will share after the show or in an email to you. <laughs> it was so much fun. Um, so we welcome um, the audience. I, to I'd questions. love to start by seeing if Kevin Hodgson wants to come on. He put a question in the chat a little while ago. And if he wants to come on and ask his question. Hi, Kevin. You're muted. All right, there we go. Oh, yay. Hi, <laughs> thank you. Everyone, Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Nikki. Great for, it's so nice having you here and, um, and for sharing your work with us. Uh, your book is beautiful. Um, 
as you were talking about um, the back and forth of the idea with Jerry originally, um, I guess I was wondering about the poems in the book that the boy finds in the metal, um, you know, metal box. Are those the poems that you wrote for him in those initial sketches? And is there a connection between them? And uh, so I was just curious about that. Thank you. Those, in fact, were the poems that I started off with. So, yeah, that's exactly yeah. Oh, great. And of course, the first one is about the garter snake, which connects right back to your snake story. <laughs> so it all comes around. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Nikki. Yeah. Great. I am going to um, pass the mic back to Walina, who has at least done that one more question about the writing process while oh, I wait if anybody absolutely. else brings in another question. And I'll also share and just connect um, I heard you mention foster care and you and I have that in common. I also, for the first 10 years, grew up in foster care. Only thing for me, I didn't, um, I hadn't yet learned that I could write get my feelings. So I was a talker. I talked to myself constantly, just talking out those feelings and experiences, um, but um, just connecting there. Um, so my next question, uh, poet Amanda Gorman talks about um, having um like a process to to help with the writing, meaning uh, she mentioned Hans Zimmerman as um, the great composer, a score composer with uh, listening to his music to actually sit and write. And that's her go-to. Um, no words, just the music. And it kind of helps her tell the story through her poetry. And so I was wondering, do you have like a go-to uh, vice or, or muse or habit or, or process when you're ready to write? whether it's music, is it, um, like for me, it's rain sounds. I like rain sounds when I'm writing, but what what's your go-to um, when you actually sit down to do your writing? Well, I need absolute quiet. Quiet is really important um, to me. And what I call gathering time to just uh -huh. sit and let things sort of flow in. But I'm uh, I'm very much character-driven writer. So I will often begin with a character, with a voice and kind of nail that. And because of whatever I write is going to be seen and experienced through the eyes of that character, whoever that character is. Mm -hmm. Unless I'm writing just a, a disparate poem that's not connected with a story. Mm -hmm. um, then I'm looking for, I'm looking to create a narrative um, about whatever the subject is. Um, and I ask, I want to know backstory sorts of information. Mm. Uh, I might look up the, the word in Webster's and see the different ways it's used. I might look it up in the thesaurus and make notes about different variations on, on that particular word, that particular idea. Um, and it's all that's all part of the gathering process before I actually start to write to me thinking in a particular way and to help me to begin to create a narrative. Mm -hmm. um, since I primarily write narrative poetry, occasional, occasionally lyrical, but more often than not, it's narrative. I'm looking for the story that I want to tell. And I love poetry. I specifically love short forms like haiku and tanka because I used to challenge yeah. myself as a child 
to tell the story using as few words as possible. Huh. At the time, I didn't know what haiku or taka were, mm. but, that's, but it, it makes sense that those forms appeal to me now. Wow. That's what I was always about doing, so. Yeah. Nikki, Nikki Fipp Ross, who is a, a great writing project colleague, has been around for a long time. It's so great to see you here, Fipp. He would like to know if you would mind sharing a favorite page or a part of Walk in the Woods. Mm. <laughs> okay, I'll have to go get it because I don't know any of this stuff by heart. <laughs> <laughs> That's all good because it gives all of us in the studio audience a great opportunity to see the beautiful jacket that she is wearing that is so <laughs> colorful and brilliant and radiant it's like all the wonderful colors on a walk in the woods and she's bringing yeah. it in her attire that's true and nikki you haven't seen all of the love for your office and all of the how beautiful it is too so there's been a lot of celebration of what a great space you came into the call from shared with us so I want to tell you, sorry, Nikki, I'm going to read Phipps' whole question. You can answer whichever part you want. But he asked, would you mind reading a favorite page or part from A Walk in the Woods? Do you have any thoughts on that passage? And or if there's a spot you'd like to tweak, if there are any, and her thought and your thoughts on that idea, since a writing process never ends. Mm. Well, no, no tweaking. I, I tweak endlessly while I'm actually in the work. And uh, I focus on, I like this one. I focus on um, doing the best work that I can, I'm capable of in the moment um, and then letting it go after I've, I know I've made it as good as I possibly can at that point in time with the realization that further down the road, because I'm constantly challenging myself, mm -hmm. I will be better and I could have done something differently, something better. Um, but if you don't learn to let things go, then you never finish anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so wow. I, you know, I just, I do the best that I can in that moment with all that I know and all that I understand. And then I let it go. Yeah. But I, I can't, it's very hard for me to then read it again. I read parts of it, but I can't sit down and read an entire book once I'm done. I have to, no, that's for other people then. I have to let it go because I'm too, uh, I'm a perfectionist. Uh, I also have the illness of being impatient and the two do not play well together. <laughs> I have to just let it go. But I, I really love this part. Um, and it's kind of gets to sort of the heart of the story. The soft song of a Carolina wren settles me as I sidestep fallen limbs, keep an eye peeled for rabbits, and survey a stairway of mushrooms sprouting from the trunk of a tree. And with each step, the hurt inside my heart pounds less and less. I take a deep breath, then drink in the quiet until there's movement in the bushes. Nice. <laughs>
Yeah. Love it. Love it. Nikki, I think we barely have time for one last question, and it's a teacher question. Um, if you don't mind, Rich Novak, do you want to come on and ask your question? There he is. Yeah, sure. Hey, hi, everybody. Thank uh, you, Greg. It's wonderful to be here with you. You know, uh, first time, long time. You know, your books are so inspirational. My wife is just in the other room telling me how, yeah, they, they read her books in my, my school. You know, she's a psychologist. So thank you so much for all you do to inspire children. And I'm a 10th grade English teacher, and I do writing conferences with students often. And right now we're setting goals. And, um, you know, sometimes they really struggle to find, um, you know, that muse to get them to write. And I think part of it's because of, like, confidence. I think sometimes we also make them write things they don't really want to write. So it's so hard to write about, you know, what you don't know about, especially when you're kind of on the spot. But as I listen to you in talking this this evening and how you just find things to write about, I'm wondering if there's anything you can give advice in terms to students or to teachers of these students to, to find that confidence to find their muse. I, I don't know. What do you do? I think one of the things you can do is encourage them to write in their own voices because once they realize they have permission to do that, it frees them in a way that nothing else will. To understand that their voice matters and is respected and is enough can be everything. It can be everything. So start there. I really appreciate that. You know, that idea of, of their voice being enough. It's so funny. We were just, just talking about this today. Uh, we do those restorative circles and they brought this up, like what they appreciate is um, how they know that they're valued in their community. A lot of students talked about how they feel that their voice is heard. And I think that that's so important that we give them space to say the things they want to say. Thank you, Rich. And thank you, Nikki. That feels like great writing advice. I would really like to stop right here, but there's one question left in the chat that I don't understand. And so, Susan, do you want to come on and ask your very quick question or should you, should I ask it for you? Also, that advice on writing got a lot of love, Nikki, in the chat. Good. Okay, I don't see Susan appearing, so. Sorry I'm... about that. This is Susan. Oh. Sorry about that. My camera doesn't work very well. It's I okay. wish. I have was one last question. Here we go. Just interested in who was the inspiration for Diamond Danielle? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know where she came from. Um, one of the odd things about, about her is that she loves math and it helps her make sense of the world. And I'm someone who chose my university based on how little math I can get away with. <laughs> I don't like math and it doesn't make sense to me. So I create this character and I'm like, where did you come from? Who are you? <laughs> So yeah, um, sometimes there are surprises with these characters. They, 
own themselves in a very strange kind of way. Um, I give them their background and backstory and all that, but they argue with you. Sometimes you'll write something, some dialogue, and they'll say, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> and you're like, who's writing this story anyway? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, and I've heard other writers say this, so I'm not the only weird one. <laughs> Characters can, can get kind of bossy. Mm. You, know, you start out, they're like children. You live <laughs> your life and then they talk back to you. <laughs> so, yeah. I am glad mm -hmm. I made room for Susan to ask that question. I would not yeah. have to get that answer. <laughs> um, it is. It is near the end of the hour. I can't believe it, but it's true. And we are the writing project. And we wrote in, and this is right time. Oh, sorry. This is right time. This is the show right time. And this is the season and the campaign right out. And so we want to spend our last few minutes together as we always do, writing out of the meeting. And Marianne, uh, that's you. And I'm trying to find my slide for you. But while I look, maybe you should just go ahead and give people the prompt. I can. Uh, this has been wonderful. Um, so um, here's the writing prompt. While walking in the woods, and we talked about this, and it was just wonderful that we can end with it. The book and the boy in the book happens upon some animals, including a snake named Sal, an eagle, a nest full of grouse, and he is mostly surprised at these encounters. Mm -hmm. Tell the story of when you have been surprised by an encounter with an animal. Can you tell the story from the animal's point of view? What was the animal thinking or doing just before the encounter and what happened after? Thanks, Marianne. I'm going to go ahead and set a timer. We'd love for you to all write again for a couple minutes and then we'll waterfall out of this show.
Uh, that's time, people. So if you want to take a golden line and share it in the chat as a waterfall, um, we'll write out on your words as I say all the thank yous that are required after such a special hour. I'm really glad that you are all here. Nikki, the moment you told us that story, we knew you to be, sit with us again and I'm glad that we have this hour to really talk to you as an author of such a so much beautiful work and to hear your thoughts about making it and for you to answer some questions as an author for us we really appreciate that Melina and Marianne you were the perfect pair of interviewers so thanks for your questions and your thoughts and everybody here in the audience tonight, thank you so much for being here. It was great to be able to share this pleasure with you live tonight. Brian, as always, you are my number one co-host. It was great to spend the evening with you as always. And of course, um, we'll record the show and share it. So um, if you weren't able to be with us live, but you're listening, um, to a recording, make sure you pause and do some writing. It, they're great prompts and make sure to sign up for the Right Now newsletter so you'll always know when our next interview or event is gonna happen and you won't miss any more. Thanks everybody and have a great Radio. evening. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. W. Radio.